Welcome to AU City, a neurodivergent storytelling podcast where we make chaos from order and F.A. to F.O., which in this case means fuck around and find out. I am your co-host, Ray. My pronouns are he, they, and I am AU City's local glitter prince, and I'm currently being stalked by a red-tailed hawk, who I'm pretty sure is trying to take me to the moors because I have been listening to the absolute ideal amount of hosier. And for the record, that was so hard to say because I, like, screwed up that entire script, like, four times. It was really impressive of me that I managed to make it through that. (laughs) I'm going to have to cut that part, so thank you for nothing. No, for not taking impressive. a breath. I want it kept in. I want that kept in. It was great. And I'm proud of myself. <laughs> okay. I'll keep it Thank in. You. One of the fun parts about producing our own podcast is that I can take out as many likes or and and then sums as I choose or not, That's a, true. depending on the amount of chaos. Um, yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, <laughs> I'm your other co-host, V. <laughs> my pronouns are she, they. I'm currently beginning my transition into fell creature of darkness for spooky season, mm-hmm. which I'm not gonna lie, I might decide to stay like this from now on because it's very yeah. on brand and it's kind of who I really am. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us for what is a very special episode, officially our 10th episode, so we're in the double digits. Uh, yes, I'm very excited about that. We have decided in this episode, this this 10th episode and also happens to be a showy episode, to show you how we, we being Ray and I, collude, unfiltered, unedited, except for bloopers, which we'll usually cut out and save for later, and somewhat in real time. So in other words, like we were saying earlier, today's episode is a pure FAFO episode. So we're basically going to show you how we break down one of the most difficult parts of storytelling from start to finish, the pacing of events, which I personally suck at, the part that the character-driven storytellers like ourselves tend to loathe the most when it comes to putting it all together in a somewhat cohesive nature. So let's get started and jump right in. Hell yeah. So as per usual, you know, it's like a TV show episode we do previously on. Uh, Just to kind of give you an idea of how we came about this so that you're 100% in the process and we leave nothing out. The other day, uh, we were sending voice memos back and forth as we do constantly mm-hmm. and uh with the topic came about because ray basically is doing we're both doing new projects this month and both of our projects are much broader and wider in scope than this podcast and then our usual like challenges that we'll do for funsies um as i've mentioned before you know we both work in different mediums we both write for audio sometimes we write for tv We have both written books and I am now in the process of writing another new book, which is always fun to switch back from, uh, from doing scripts of, you know, 30 to 120 pages to being manuscripts of several hundred pages. And for me, uh, you know, because I'm a person who uses process and toolboxes interchangeably, it's really fun because I never write a book the same way twice. I never write a script the same way twice. Every story has its own kind of process that I kind of cobble together to make it fit what I'm trying to do and to work the best for my brain. And one of the best parts about us doing this podcast and kind of testing out all of our little toolboxes and and making ourselves learn new skills is now Ray and I both have 
totally new, you know, shiny new tool sets that we can apply. And so you, I think were voice memoing me and talking about how like, okay, like I, I've decided how many episodes I want to have in my season. How should I break that down? You know, how, how many scenes can you put in an episode and all of those things. And like, it's similar to a TV show. It's like, oh, you know, how many episodes are we going to get? Our pilot got picked up by the network. They want to do it. They want to produce it. We want to shoot it. Now, how many episodes is it going to be eight episodes? Is it going to be 13? Is it going to be neat? Like the old days, like 22, like we don't know. And until you know that you literally, you know, the scope is all over the place. So this is something that I thought it would be great to talk about on the podcast. And because it's kind of a showy thing, because we're literally going to be doing this live and applying it to what we're doing. And as a result, Ray and I are both going to be able to take what we do with this show for the podcast and apply it to our own stuff, me to my book chapters and Ray to the episodes of their audio drama that they're doing. So before we get too deeply into that, I just want to kind of for our listeners that are less in embroiled in the screenwriting and or publishing landscapes. What is pacing? I'm going to use just an example from a really good website, tvtropes.org, which basically is just a list of like a bunch of stuff that applies to different styles of storytelling. And uh, so they have this little thing about pacing that I think is really interesting. They said, pacing is critical to a good story. The writer's decisions not only on what happens, but when it happens and how quickly events transpire can determine whether your reader or viewer is going to make it to the end of the tale or give up in frustration. And even pace throughout the whole story is rarely effective unless you're writing a slice of life story where the steadiness and ambling nature of the pacing is an asset. In most other genres, though, and since we're both genre writers, this really applies to us, the same steadiness kills any dramatic tension. So the writer will make decisions on when they speed up the action to further the plot, and when they slow down to give their audience a breather. It can be tricky to get those choices right, however. Often the audience will be faced with a glut of action where they can't easily keep up with with what's happening or long stretches of time where it seems as though nothing is happening. (laughs) The results are called pacing problems where the general feeling is that more sentences or or events here and fewer there could have improved the whole book or the whole show or the whole scene. So that's one of the more forgivable issues the story can have according to some people, according to this website, but I kind of disagree uh, because as the type of person who has attention deficit issues... Um, mm-hmm. I find that that will be often the difference between me turning off the show or dropping a book and never right. picking it up again, or, you know, even reading a fanfic and skipping to the end of the chapter or trying to skip to the next scene. So I think it's very valid. And I think it's the thing that I'm, I'm glad we haven't really talked about very much because, you know, we're showing you snippets, but now yeah. I think it's time to take a more comprehensive approach. I think it, that is a grand idea, especially because as Vino's for sure out of like anybody i have pacing issues (laughs) i have capital p pacing issues both in my physical life i am a constant pacer (laughs) i am always pacing um but also unfortunately in terms of my stories i have a really 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 hard time building things up too much if that makes sense because that's like my favorite part of a story so i find i really like slow built tension And that's the way that I write things a lot. And that does not work for most people. Uh, I feel like my current book, Blinding Lights, which we've mentioned before, is definitely a perfect example of that, where I truly believe that the best way for that book to be is just slow and vibey. But everybody else thinks that the pacing is a little bit too slow, which I totally, I can't 
fault. It's just personal preference. Like that's all it is. So well, and it's worth discussing because like I think our understanding of what the word pacing means to us and what what makes us want to keep reading, like as as we've talked about a lot right. before, I'm a very character-driven and ship-driven fan slash reader slash you know consumer of of stories. And the way that I write for me, I've talked about this a lot before, how world building, as we call it, of like, how does the world work and what what external forces are acting on our characters? That's always been like the least important thing to me, which is why as a kid, like I grew up reading a lot of really in-depth fantasy and sci-fi type stuff. And I was always kind of like, not bored, but like kind of turned off by like the pages and pages and pages of descriptions of like trees or like government mm-hmm. systems that unless I was given an a way to care about a character in the context of that. And so I think right. for you, you might think you struggle with pacing, but what I feel like it probably is, is that you're the kind of person who would live inside a character's head with them just sitting on a rock doing nothing happily for hours. And yeah. Not everyone's like that, but like Mm -hmm. that is, you know, for, I think it might, again, fucking here comes the therapy again, damn it, Pam. (laughs) But like, I think that there comes to be, there comes a place where like, as a kid, I think your childhood, how much time you spent isolated and just like sitting on a rock thinking about your imaginary friends, for example, like how much of that was coping if you were a person that isolated, if you were a person that had a very like introspective formative childhood I think that that probably also lends itself to you being the type of reader who will like really go hard for a character and become kind of obsessed with that I and it kind of you'll watch him do it anything. like this right but that's but that's what I'm saying <laughs> like you call it you know, call it a pacing problem but that's why I really liked this tv tropes like the way that they described it because yeah. It's, it's what happens when it happens and how quickly events transpire. Events can mean a lot of things. Events can mean external explosions, but it can also mean decisions that characters make, right? So I mean, literary I think this, wouldn't exist if, it, if there wasn't some exactly. sort of internal narrative drive, you know? Yeah, well, like, and you know, that's another one of my beeves, which is plural beef that I have many of, where uh, there's a certain type of person in storytelling that's always been allowed to kind of fuck around and spend hundreds and hundreds of pages just ruminating on you know their ennui and it's usually you know a straight white man of a certain age like you call field vibes but I digress but like the point is is that it, it is annoying to me how we allow people to ruminate and we make others be like, all right, get to the point. So that being said, this is a great example. I think using our Nancy Drew season four, because we know the rules, and this is a big neurodivergent thing, by the way, this is also why literary always frustrated me because the rules are made up and completely arbitrary and genre has rules and beats. Yeah, you can learn the rules and then break the rules, but anyone who comes in, and this anyone will tell you this, like publishing and screenwriting, someone comes in and goes, oh, I don't need to learn the rules. I'm just going to do whatever. Like that's not the same thing as learning genre rules and beats and then being like, in this, I'm intentionally flipping it. You know, I'm intentionally doing this. So specific name that just came to mind. (laughs) We're not here to name names though. We're not here to I'm hoping I can just put it into your brain. I feel, I I probably already know. But we are here to drag ourselves and each other. (laughs) Yeah. But like, so this is where I think to me, my pattern recognition brain comes in and you said this to me the other day where like you're like I don't know how to even begin to figure out how to how many scenes do I need in an episode how many scenes and I'm like this is where I come in because I freaking love this this is where I start to do can I pause you for just a second before you go on that tangent because like I just I want to mention that entire conversation in general because it started off with me doing research I was very in I was doing like a David Lynch masterclass thing and 
at one point, he was talking about how he breaks down films and how he, at the very least, to start, starts off with 70 scenes if he's going to make a feature film. If he doesn't have at least 70 scenes to start fucking around with, then he can't consider it a film. Um, It's just something that's still marinating. He still needs more ideas, etc. And so I was like, okay, how can I kind of bastardize that for what I'm working on? And for the record, I, it was very late at night. I'm bad at math. <laughs> and my brain was addled. <laughs> so I spent probably 30 minutes just journaling and making notes and trying to do the math and then comparing all of these ideas to my favorite podcasts and like my favorite episodes of my favorite podcasts and how they're broken down. And I wasn't like listening to them. I was just doing this all mentally, you know, sitting with the journal, making notes, being like, okay, what about this King Falls episode? This King Falls episode was one of my favorites and it had probably in technicality, three different scenes. However, when you're looking at a podcast and this was where my issue really came in and where I got really frustrated with my own brain, uh, I essentially got to the point where I realized in most podcasts, there's really not a ton of scene breaks. Um, you obviously don't have the same style of scene breaks that you have in a feature film where you have a visual cue that something is moving and ending and that you haven't, you're, you're going to a different place, etc. When it comes to podcasts, more often than not, it will either be a consistent flow of a narrative that might have like three different act breaks yeah and specifically storytelling podcasts not ours like exactly yeah Yeah, yeah. not ours we're talking about storytelling podcasts yeah so like just the fictional stuff um but yeah, and so it's, it's just, it was one of those moments where I was going back and I was looking at it. I was like, in every single one, I can see a break of what I would consider quote unquote scenes as a prose writer. But as somebody thinking in feature film terms, it's not full scenes. That entire half hour episode would be a scene basically for a lot of the way that a lot of these are written. Well, this is also, in, this is the terminology that gets you, right? Because it exactly. depends on who you're talking to. Scenes and beats are sometimes used interchangeably in that like sometimes a scene means when the camera cuts and sometimes a scene means when the whole thing happens in the story. So that's a really great point of like yeah. what kind of beats and scenes am I talking about right now for this specific situation? Exactly. And admittedly, I will say I'm really glad that I started off with um like using the quote unquote algorithm. I mean, it's a number, but whatever that Lynch has because Lynch is one of those creators that is really, really fluid. He believes in the intuition of storytelling, which I obviously do as you've heard me talk about many times before and so it's one of those things where he really did he opened up a door for my mind and said okay here's a possibility now figure out how your story works into this and then what I really wanted to mention is what you did I basically sent V a voice text. I can't remember if it was that night or if it was the morning, like the next morning when I had come back with fresh eyes. But either way, I had sent V a voice text basically explaining everything, including my confusions, uh, what I had gotten from the David Lynch thing, which luckily V had also seen at one point. So like slightly familiar there. And I was to the point where I was like, I have no idea how to make this work. Like I would love to. I think that this is a really good place to start, but I just have no idea how to make this a feasible plan. And I tell V and like maybe an hour later, 
V sends me a voice text and explains like the exact way that she would set it up, basically sets up the rules for me, gives my brain some sort of organization that it could not have managed on it on its own. And then literally sends me like another text that breaks it all down in like a way that I can actually view it and see it and be like, oh, there's three steps to this. This is not hard. I can do this in a few days, like not a difficult, difficult thing. And it completely solved the turmoil that I had because I just reached out and I was like, hey, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Can you help me? And these Capricorn brain just was like, oh, hell yeah, this is exactly what I do. And it's just really, it's one of those moments again. I feel like we have one of these every week. Maybe collaboration. Yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. I really just love seeing and having those moments because like seeing your brain in seconds basically process the information give me a plan like you fucking spit it out like a computer sometimes like it's just right there and it's just I can do that for other people not for myself that's why it's fun it's like being a calculator (laughs) it's literally like I can organize and help other people but I cannot manage to do it for my own brain and so like it's really nice to have somebody who understands your brain to that point and knows what you're looking for and is like, I can make this happen. Let me do it real quick and like have a symbiotic relationship. How many times did I say like that sentence? We do not know nor care. We don't, we don't count. Yeah, no, this is no, we're, we're West Coast people. Like it a comma for us so okay so i'm just so you know process wise so as you're talking i can already tell this is going to be a very we're going to have a long ass list of homework and references for y'all at the end and we'll put them in the notes i'm adding as ray is talking i'm adding things as i'm talking ray is adding things to the list because like i just went and added the david lynch masterclass which i already had had a masterclass link on there but that's another great one i love i mean there's so many of those masterclasses we're not being paid by them at all by the way in any way shape or form and it's a little pricey but like like the masterclass, you know, I I will say if you want like short snippets of lessons and like you want to, you know, learn how to be a, write a TV show from Shonda Rhimes, or you want to learn what a writer's room is like from Sorkin or whatever, like they have all these great little, like the Judy Bloom class is amazing. There's some really, there's an Issa Rae one that I absolutely love about being a filmmaker and kind of like starting your own, making your own stuff from scratch with very little money. All those things, it's like, you know, it's, it's like bite-sized. It's like tapas. It's like learning tapas. Like it's very, yeah, it's not going to be intense. It's not going to be like college level. If you want that, there's like Coursera.org has very cheap or free classes that are like really intense with assignments and stuff. But if you're more of a, if you want to more just kind of be an interloper and kind of like jump in and learn, um, I'm a big fan of Masterclass for that reason, especially because there are very short little videos that you can watch on your phone or listen to auditorially. For a kinesthetic person like myself, I'm just really a big fan of of their interface. That being said though, yeah. So something that you said was really interesting. So like that one of the biggest reasons for this podcast that we decided to not just keep it among ourselves, but to share it with the world is that we are both huge believers in kind of idea socialism, not in like plagiarizing other people's shit, but recognizing that no two people are ever going to tell a story the same. So even if Ray and I both had the exact same source material and we were both adapting it, we would do it differently, no matter how much we have in common in terms of vibes. You know what I mean? Like, and so to me, collaboration, we're gonna, we're gonna do that for sure. I have, that's, that's that's on the list. Okay. I was going to say, cause that's a genius idea. And I did not think about that. That's a future challenge. Yeah. That's a future challenge episode where we'll both do, but like one of my favorite things that I, 
constantly as an as an agent, I was constantly faced with um, brand new, you know, people who are creating for the first time and for the first time putting it out there, like trying to get published or trying to be, you know, screenwriters or whatever. And I find that one of the biggest problems a lot of people have when they go from having headcanons to like putting it out there and sharing it. And the exception, by the way, is fanfic writers, which is why we're so huge fans of because fanfic is one of the few places I think that we've really managed to like kind of decapitalize our, you know, decolonize and decapitalize our idea to an extent of, you know, this is mine, you can't touch it. And people are like actively collaborating. But that being said, like, I can't tell you how many times I met a writer who would be like, I don't want to tell you what my story is about because I don't want someone to steal my idea. And I'm like, first of all, like there is no idea good enough like that is, you know, that like that no one can steal it. You know, like there's or like no one can try and do it their way. But that being said, I think most of the time, like 90 percent of the time, keeping something to yourself because of fear, because you're worried that someone else might come in and do it better than you. That's not really good motivation (laughs) to like Mm -hmm. keep to yourself. And I think a lot of writers who struggle to find a community and to find like a support system and build an actual two-way not like transactional but an actual real community is because they are they're wanting to only take and never give you know like oh read my stuff and or like give me feedback give me feedback but like I don't want to do that back and so I think for us being open and kind of vulnerable about our storytelling and our process and like what we struggle with has been one of the biggest things that has led us to be able to grow as creators co-creators you know Um, I agree with that very I'm a big fan so. of that. But so to kind of get back to the point, sorry, that was a little, that was a little emo segue. Oh, it's very rare no, for me. The fine. moon's doing shit again. Um, it is doing shit. It is a full moon. So it's pure fafo over here. It's well, that's the point of today. So that's exactly. a full moon. We're in chaos mode. Let's see. I'm not going to put a time limit on it, but I am going to try and say like, oh. let's, so let's use, let's, let's do the showy part where we show you from start to finish how we're going to do we're going to we're going to jump off what we did in our last episode. We're in our last episode if you listened. We kind of talked about what else are we going to do in the season of our a, our alternate universe version of Fancy True. <laughs> so your cat is going wild and I love it. I hope we can hear it. Um I hope so. But like I like so 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 okay we talked about this before and I wanted to do it totally from scratch so if you'll recall we're like oh we should really probably sit down and think about how many episodes and what we would do and like if we were really you know hired to write season four of Nancy Drew the two of us how would we do it and I was like stop and put a pause right there because we're mm-hmm. gonna do this but we're fuck it we're gonna do it live and so yep. here's so we're gonna walk through the exact so do you have that up on your phone the the steps that I because I've already forgotten them, but let's uh, take I don't the steps that I phone, sent you. But I can get them up on okay. my phone. Give me a hot while second. you're doing that. So, as per usual, I'm going to be the scope cop, and I'm going to figure out what our scope is. So while you're doing that, I'm literally going to I'm going to demystify and show you how simple it is. So I'm literally going to go to the Nancy Drew Wiki fandom. Thing, and I'm going to look up how many episodes are in every season. So just to give us an example of scope, because, you know, in this case, because we're doing a fanfic version, we're really lucky because we have parameters that we're being given from someone else. It's not like we're trying to write a book from scratch and we're like, we can have however many we want. So, well, I'm going to have you read it, read it out when the second comes. Oh, so for well, now, works too. scope <laughs> wise. So, so the questions I sent you were basically like scenes and beats, right? But for now we're, basically. we're talking episodes, which is like basically the TV writing equivalent of chapters. So right. we need to know how many chapters are in our story for the whole entirety of season four, right? So season one had 18 episodes, apparently. Season two had also 18 episodes. Season three had 13. And I'm going to guess season four is going to have 13 as well. So for our sake, let's do 13. Mm-hmm. And so we've already, let's say we've already done like three. 
right? Because we've we've done we had a whole pilot episode was episode one. So that gives us 10 more episodes that we have to figure out today. Right. So that being said, okay. so what's number one on the list? Episode one, we've got Nick's dad. We've got Law coming into town. We've got Zelda. We've, we've um, done the setup pretty much yeah, everything, we've right? We've, we've, we've setup set up a lot. We have Bess, the fangirls, and Ace. They have an interaction with the psychic, and then yep. they lose the girls. That's okay. basically, like, I'd say we're kind of up to, like, the big, like, it, it, if I was going to place my episode, like, my, those early bits that we've done this so this is an example so if we know what our what a comprehensive whole is we could take that that 13 episodes and we can break that down into either three act structure or five act structure and like mm-hmm. by mathing you know let's yeah. say five so if you buy if you buy 10 you know by five or whatever like that's two um but in this case because we already have a couple let's just say we'll divide it by three so 13 divided by three is what do not ask me to do any math ever. <laughs> should I just fucking should nine, I just say 12, four, 12 and a bonus? Let's just say that we're through our first act so far, right? So that works. I'm, I'm gonna literally pull up a calculator. I think no, I, I feel that, I feel like what we have written so far, like I said, I feel like we have probably gotten through the first quarter-ish of the story or like a third of the story. So like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like if we're breaking yeah. it up into well, a three act art, we've hit the first. So this, this is where I would act. normally be whiteboarding and diagramming. But yeah, so to, here's another fun fact about three act structure. Anyone who struggles in dividing things into threes, the act two is usually about twice as long as act one or act That's three. Everyone has soggy so, middles. So, 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 but yeah, so basically a life hack that I was given years ago was to just think of it as four act structure where act two is just chopped in half. So basically it's act one, two, three, and four. So we've, we've got gone through our act one and if you if you count 12 that's you know three episodes per quarter right and then plus one extra cliffhanger whatever the fuck we're doing um and so if that being said so that means we have about we have about you know three episodes per chunk let's let's do it really big picture we don't need to get very granular Mm -hmm. in scenes but we've already made a list of the kind of stuff we want to happen right? right and so a really good way to do this in a big picture sense is to just literally make a bullet list of the big stuff that we need to happen. And if you think about big stuff as like, this is going to be the whole episode's like big thing, you know, the big cliffhanger, the big realization. For example, we have one episode where we're going to need to break the curse and that's going to be the point of the episode. And also probably it will have to happen after what we talked about last time, which is like, how did the Hudson curse begin? Right. So let's say that's one episode right there that we've already kind of broken down. I feel like that would be if we did a full flashback episode that's that's my favorite that's my favorite type of flashback episodes i feel like if we were out of just about anything any episode we've talked about or like scenes that we've thrown about that's probably the the episode that i want to exist the most script wise like i would love to see what you could do with that just for the record uh but yeah i would say that's a good penultimate episode i would say like the episode before the curse is broken we have that cliffhanger on episode episode 11 of like oh shit and then at the end you realize oh no we have two episodes left and the plot could be taken care of next episode what does that mean and then we come back into a flashback with that centers around ryan hudson and then law hudson which is another life hack you kind of came up with um that's another challenge episode we'll probably do where it's like if you already know where you begin and end which a lot of filmmakers do this by the way taiko atiti has a really great i think yeah who he literally speaking of soggy middles he literally is like all right i know the opening image and 
the closing image, which is, you know, screenwriting talk for like how it begins, how it ends. And he's just like, once he knows the beginning and the end, he just fills in the middle later. I was just going to point out and be just on the off chance that people are listening to this out of order, etc. We did a decent chunk conversation about like the middle, the beginning and the end and how we kind of solved our finale <laughs> a little bit last episode. So we had a situation where we talked about why the curse was happening, how the curse was getting broken. And then I kind of ended up having a like magical breakthrough moment where I mentally saw the scene happening. And that is kind of exactly what we're talking about. So if you would like to experience that and you have not listened to previous episodes, may I recommend the one right before this? (laughs) And that's it. Sorry. Yeah, well, and and also remember, we kind of talked about having like an A and B season. So theoretically, we could even have it like a six and four type situation where it's like, you know, we get all the curse stuff out of the way. And then the, you know, the hell mouth, not the hell mouth, what's called the veil, you know, the scene at the veil where basically it's like a Nancy and A's together and law sacrifices himself, which I'm still mad at you about because it's so good, but it makes me mad. Um, You know, that's the great thing is we could sit down and do that. But for now, so for now, just steps wise, what we're going to do is we're going to make a list of major events. They don't have to be in order. They don't have to be escalating, but so I'm making a list. I hope you can't hear me typing too loud, but like I'm typing, I'm literally typing this as we go. So we've got, you know, the flashback origin of the Hudson curse and the law Esme love story. We have, and I would also like to have another Bess and a scene where he and Bess are dealing with Ace's emotional issues for Nancy. And he actually is like verbalizing them like, Oof, oof. Let's, let's get let's him put that to... into the con. Yeah, so that's yeah. a scene. Let's put that in context of a larger episode. So, like, if that was the point, you know how, like, the theme of the episode kind of continues, and there's usually a paranormal threat that mirrors the emotional trauma that's happening in an episode. That's so, exactly we talked about this before how we both kind of think, and this is where, again, we're, go- we're going character driven and plot driven at the same time. And you mm-hmm. mentioned this before. Um, pacing wise here's my hack for that balancing and emotional this is something i recently learned by the way like as a writer mm-hmm. i've been i've been helping others do it for years but i've finally freaking figured out how to do it for myself so for me it might seem a little ham-fisted at first and it's going to feel super obvious like allegories everybody this ghost is a metaphor for your inner ghost like that but if you actually go back and you watch like really good horror it is always an allegory and it doesn't have to be like it probably starts out really ham-fisted but then you can work on it and make it more subtle as you go like you don't have to start subtle so so for so this like like what would be allegory <laughs> it is so it's so true but People also so like so that. let's say you and i both have an opinion about ace's issues needing like he is it's not that he is unworthy of nancy it's that he <laughs> thinks he's unworthy of nancy and so he mm-hmm. really needs to get over his inferiority complex slash his abusive i you don't want to call tom abusive mm-hmm. but he is abusive in a way that parents that withhold their love until you achieve certain things for example not like we're talking from experience here either of us but like there mm-hmm. is something he basically needs to go to therapy and it might not be literal therapy maybe it's paranormal therapy but i think we probably here's my pitch for you about this it just popped in my head Please. so you remember nancy's dream sequence where she basically did paranormal therapy and that's the first time she realized that she had feelings for ace because he handed her baby to herself that was her Paris baby what if we have a dream a dream episode where ace does his own version of that spirit journey right 
And you can have so much fun with that because what would, you know, like, what would those, I already have an idea and it's a bad idea. idea. So So what's the term, what's the term for that? I mean, it's, it's basically a dream sequence episode. So we're going to, we're going to put Ace's dream sequence episode. Best can be his spirit guide or whatever for that episode, which is, which will get you what you want. Or she could be the one that leads him into it. Like maybe he gets hit on the head or something. You can have so much fun. Put a pin in it because we don't need to go granular, but that will be your episode. You'll be in charge I already have a really dumb idea and you are going to be, as soon as you see like it, write it if down I write that, if i write it you're it going to have one of those no, moments it's on the list like, i've written it with. down i've written it down i'm color coding it i've already color coded right. the flashback origin of hudson curse one uh, as my color which is blue yours is red together we're purple it's beautiful um so it you've got destiny with aces issues slash dream sequence like that's now your episode it belongs to you so we've uh, you know i wrote the pilot episodes so we've got the setups we've got let's say enough of our stuff cobbled together to make another full episode but now we have so okay that's a great agenda and i think it's very important definitely needs to happen before we already know the um let's just put how the curse ends that's our you know it's going to be a very climactic very action heavy episode and it's going to be culmination i'm putting in parentheses it's going to be culmination of uh the ace nancy so we know that has to happen you know ace nancy curse issue and also laws evil plans or whatever um, that's all we need to know for now. It doesn't need to be that intense. Like it can be vague as hell because we're pacing. That's all we're doing is we're pacing. Exactly. We're just pacing. What about, so we already have the missing bodies. Remember that? How yes. are we going to use that? And that's basically being used as an allegory for loss. And we introduced the character that we made up, Chloe, who basically is like a stand-in for Nancy as a teenager who is just mm-hmm. very, very recently lost her mom. Because as we all know, Nancy still has a she fucking belt with that. She gets kidnapped. She gets kidnapped. Oh yeah, you're right. There has to be an episode where Nancy she gets kidnapped, get kidnapped. Because every, every book she gets kidnapped, literally every book in the OG... Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so Nancy kidnapped, also a great choice for Nancy slash Ace Angst. Um, yep. So Nancy, Nancy gets kidnapped. kidnapped with Chloe. I love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. That's how she's like, okay. she's trying to stop like, well, that's going to be the main Chloe from Connors. getting in, yep. getting caught in the fucking yep. carnival. And Nancy Here's goes in the after question. Yeah. Okay. Do we want the missing bodies to be like a red herring? Or do we want them to be the thing that starts off our B plot where it's like the, the cannibal thing? Okay, that's got it. It's a same brain. Same brain. But yeah, um, red herring yeah. for law. So and then segues into the second and that's the plot that's going to attach i i got it i got it i got it i don't know exactly I, I what it is the yet. grave so basically here's just so just so you know the origin write it down before you forget it but the origin that I'm thinking is when the great, when Nancy let the, you know, when Temperance Hudson opened the hole in the ground, that's like the veil to the underworld or whatever. I went back and watched that episode the other day, as I told you, and you see like all these sparks coming out of it. And so it's very similar to when the historical society shit got unlocked. Yeah. The married couple. Yeah. yeah the, the, the weird polyamorous seeming married couple that, oh, that has like things that we've only seen once in like that last episode. So exactly. I love the idea that, that, so they're really horny for the historical society for some reason. We know that much so far, right? We also horny. know they're shady. Um, and we know that the historical society is full of mystical artifacts. If we're just assuming that they're like, they're, they're, 
their purpose and their um what's the word their motive is basically like profit like they buy and sell artifacts and like black market magical artifacts we can just kind of make up whatever we want and the great thing about that is you don't have to explain that shit with a backstory it's just like it's like that character bella in the supernatural how she would randomly just show up and steal shit from them occasionally and her whole motivation was that she wants money but like that's the the great thing about having a character or a device that's like goes without saying is it's a no explanation needed complication that's what they are there are a couple complication that can be thrown in like a wrench whenever you need it so the the kidnapping is perfect because that can be her getting kidnapped with chloe it could theoretically be right after her and ace finally break the curse so they can be together which is like extra fucking angst like you think everything's fine and then twist um so maybe around you know like episode eight or nine that would be a perfect place to put that because it's like oh no we were gonna have bliss finally and we didn't because you know we love to torture ourselves and others um but that's a great place to bring back the missing bodies slash figure out why the graves were empty and and kind of close that storyline out so it's the closing out of the lost storyline and i have an idea for that as well but i think that's a great place to bring them back we'll talk more more granularly later about like you know how that works on a scene level but i think that's a great theme for the episode is to like really do a lot of plot heavy lifting on that one that could also be a great time to bring back lacy by the way, because who's going to help them find Nancy if Nancy is missing? She could even be missing for like more than one episode. Oh, but oh, 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 oh. Write it down. Oh, write it down. Oh, Don't oh, forget oh. it. Write it down. God so, okay. You're making me go through all my fucking recycled post-it notes. <laughs> you should have brought a notebook to this. I'm typing. There are it's lots loud. of notebooks. Did I not tell you that I ran out of notebooks the other day? I am officially oh, no. notebook. That's the worst I'm thing not, that can happen to I'm, a writer. I'm going to yeah, send you a stack of, my notebook. of notebooks. By the way, writers, if you're like me and you're old school and you like to spiral, um, I call it spiraling, where I literally, if I have a new idea, I just get one of those old spiral notebooks that's like the single uh, subject, 60 page, whatever. Because first of all, it's like the exact same length of a script. And I just grab a spiral notebook. They're like, you know, 50 cents at the store. And if you get them in bulk, they're even cheaper. But I will just open it up and I will just start using that to jot down all my ideas. I'll use it to make show Bibles. I'll use it to write down dialogue. Um, Because when I start typing, it's usually more business-like mindset and I'm like ready to put things in formatting. But if I want to skip over any of that neurodivergent obstacle to beginning crap that happens when you have this kind of brain where it's like, oh man, I want to write, but I don't want to like turn on my laptop and like open the document and do all that stuff. I just have a spiral notebook at hand at all times and I can be as messy as I want in the spiral because I know I'll type it up and make it pretty later. So that's one of my hacks for, mm-hmm. you know, just just blue skying as they also call it, where it's like you just write down all your ideas, good, bad, ugly. Don't worry about organizing them. Just flip to a new page if you have a new idea and then figure it out later. Um, like so far, just so you know, so I've got four potential episodes already on the list, which is great progress, I think. Let's also talk about Nick and George because I think that's still very clearly. And remember, oh, George is... <laughs> okay, so Nick's dad is still in the hospital. We should probably yeah, fix so that. Nick's dad is still in the hospital. You did that. I'm gonna let you clean up that mess. Okay, that's that's fair. So Nick's dad slash opportunity for Nick and George to resolve Break their up. issue. Again, this is a great example. We've got our external... What I'm doing, by the way, is I'm writing these down. I'm basically making... Like, if I was organizing this well, I would be doing it a two-column table and I would have external and internal arcs. So I would have, you know, Nick's dad's heart attack is like the action. And mm-hmm. then it's going to be the internal, you know, what are we character built? You know, what character problems are we solving? What 
what paranormal slash, you know, life or death problems are we solving? So um, this is also for Nick and George to be grown ups, And they already kind of had that almost wedding episode, but I still I think to resolve. Yeah, I would like to officially resolve them as a couple so that we can finally yeah. open the door to Bess and Lacey And can, Lacey and... can show up and start dating Nick. Exactly. <laughs> Which I have thoughts about. And or George, I haven't decided yet. Um, I do think that I, if I George does both. come out as weird, this is just a personal thing. Oh, I, I agree. feel if George comes out as queer, I don't think Bess should be her first person that she dates because I feel I like that's the OTP yeah. that they owe us after yeah. like nine seasons. I agree. I feel like Bess and George should be end game. I would like a slow ramp up slash like a legitimate queer relationship experience yeah. for George. Friends forever has dated every. Yeah. Like, and I think you're mm-hmm. right. That's absolutely more accurate to like the, especially because I feel like Bess would really help George through her like coming out and recognizing her queerness and all and you know George has a lot of shit to unpack she's already talked about how her family is very traditional very judgy they had a whole really great arc in an episode about how everyone can be racist and how like she was worried about her you know grandparents being upset that she was dating Nick and I think that that was a great way to kind of show without it being too hitting it too hard and and being like after school especially vibes um that being said though I think that that's also kind of with Addie's situation where, you know, Addie Softima's character is being put in here as the indigenous person who is kind of there to help out. And I would really like to see her character develop more. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. hate it if she was also dating someone else. Because I feel like it's it's pretty clearly her and Bess are not going to work out in the long run. I time. feel like Addie, Addie and George are both very bi to me. Um, just in terms of you know of what I'm hearing and- from this I think we need us another wedding dress episode <laughs> but instead of a we need a love potion episode because we've yeah, already you, had you a truth episode your love potion episode that's what you want to do we need a comedic that's episode that's why I, I made say, the device actually that yeah. I just remembered the 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 coil the um <laughs> sorry yeah. make that gesture the you know as we know law in the first episode in the script which we will share with you so you can actually read it um law has all of these cylinders for his like pipe organ thing that influence people's behavior I think the song, don't get mad at me, but you already had Dance Macabre. I think the song needs to be something super cheesy in public domain, like Let Me Call You Sweetheart. Because I don't know if you've ever heard that song. Um, I'm not going to sing it to you right now, but it's Let Me Call You Sweetheart. It's like a very like turn of the century old public domain now. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you played it, slower and with like minor notes it would be so deliciously creepy in the best possible way and I think that would be what the love cylinder would sound like and I feel like it would make everyone act a fool and you know get get really so I love the idea that we have an episode where you know certain characters are trapped together with people that shouldn't be trapped together like what if the the coil like amps up everybody's like I'm going to put love potion number nine on this because uh, it's one of yeah. my faves. Oh, uh, I feel like that's love a potion number nine style episode for this episode. Yeah, I feel like that's With perfect. All of, the, all, caps, all of the shit. This one we're going to co-write. I'm making it purple because I, oh, I don't I want this is going to be a lot of fun for both of us. And so we're going to do it together. That I might love be it. something and we, we do as a future thing. So I feel like that's a really good idea for true. that's true both for just us and for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So well. I now have six episodes which is we're doing awesome 
and you're just knocking it out of the park dude we are we are knocking it out of the park um okay so what else have we not specific ideas you have all of the major episodes (laughs) i'm gonna do nancy gets kidnapped part one and two because i think we we need a more i can already tell just my my little scope master brain my little project manager brain knows that that's gonna be too much for one episode uh so nancy and chloe kidnapping part two which is the resolution part so it's gonna be a cliffhanger um where you know we end the episode and it's like oh no they're not gonna make it which is one of my favorite devices by the way of the og days uh kidnapping part two Got what was the other thing that we talked about where okay we talked about how we don't really care about carson <laughs> we're just gonna leave him we're just gonna leave him gone for a while since again our scope could be like a week um i want to bring back darlene because i freaking love her but the great thing about darlene is that she can be in everything and everywhere the love potion episode would be a particularly funny way to have her like, like trapped that. together with nick or so, or tamura put trapped together with tamura and like hitting on tamura would be the funniest fucking thing ever That's having weird. them make out and then never talk about it again <laughs> they just look at each other Every once in a Tamura, while. Oh my God. Abraham Tamura would be so awkward and he would, he would probably leave town if that happened because he couldn't, he couldn't handle it. But you know what? I actually also like the idea of getting him a legitimate girlfriend. So there's also like the hot young sergeant that works there now. Um, he could make out with no, and then no, be dating. No, 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 The podcaster. Lacey. I mean, I know. Okay. okay here we go. Here we go. Here we go though. If we are using Lacey as a foil to Nancy at all, at all and Lacey comes back into town nancy is kidnapped ace needs her help they yeah, obviously, obviously ask tamura there's for gonna help. be some there's tamura gonna be some freak out. out the shippers you know some nace some nace potential like oh no is she flirting about with ace now yeah, yeah. Exactly. and then yeah. and then it's gonna be a red herring because and i then, were nace supremacy um and, yeah and okay I think if like he if lacy and he ha- and tamura have like the a very similar back and forth banter as Ace i don't and hate Nancy, it i'm just I do not saying hate it. i think we could make it work I feel like we could make it work. I this feel is like where I think you are going to be in charge of this part. So, so what you're saying is that we need a love potion. We need a we need an a love potion fallout episode after the love potion episode because okay, wait, we're so not going to have enough time. No, you're right. I've as far as okay. Wait a minute. I need to look at this so that this I can. Is great though because I we're have doing, a, now we're doing mini arcs where I it's see like, the flow. Yeah. So give me yeah. just a second because I just need to see these so that I can rearrange them in my brain. All right. So flashback is going to be the penultimate episode. So that's going to be episode 11 or 12. E, I mean, it, it depends. Just, like, well, don't worry about that yet. I know. I'm no, just no, trying to figure it out in my brain. Episode, No, the flashback episode needs to be way earlier than that. Like way earlier. Because this Why? is, when I say the flashback episode, that's the one we talked about last time where we discover the origin of the Hudson curse and we discover Law and Esme's love story. So it needs to be about the midpoint, I think, at the latest. Oh, see, I would do that as an, like, that would be the right before we talked about this but that's the early. problem is it's too fast of a resolution it's like how they did with temperance hudson but and you learned too- about her daughter and then like two seconds later it didn't matter anymore i feel like that would have been so much better if they had moved it closer but also but you might be picturing differently than i'm picturing exactly i think th- i think we're having two different moments here because i'm thinking like okay um Matt, Mike Flanagan, Haunting of Hill House, and um, Bly Manor specifically. We'll use Bly Manor. Bly Manor is a horrible example here, but no, I get um, what you're saying. Yeah, but I think that's why. So when I'm saying flashback episode, mine is more like a mini origin story, exactly. and it's not. It's not actually giving us anything. It's giving us clues, but it's not giving us any answers. It's just giving us like the reason that I would do it as the penultimate episode.
episode is specifically because I think that Law choosing to sacrifice himself is going to hit so much harder if we keep the Law and Esme storyline really close to the chest for him until that episode. And then we have a William the Bloody-esque Spike Spuffy episode like back I mean, flashback. I just watched that the other day, by the I way, when you got to see Spike. I know. And I and I will say like that actually was that was what I think, was like that's what was inspiring me in this moment is that but like But do you remember her- when that episode is in the in the actual yes, season arc? It is and it is in the middle of the season. However, it isn't necessarily like this because he is not the main antagonist of that arc. And All right. he is at I think that this point. is a I think that the numbering of the episodes is a separate and larger conversation we need to have i'm not this is why this is where again i'm i'm, I'm project managing lightly gently here because oh, this is, this a is definitely worth a conversation <laughs> yeah but i think so this is a great point this is why on my list of of things you you always save the order for last so this is why we're not done making a list of episodes yet which is why i'm gonna say put a pin in in numbering any of the episodes yet because here's what's gonna happen we're gonna be we're gonna be going through this we haven't even begun to realize that like once after we go through and we have our list of let's say 10 episodes some of them are are going to expand some of them are going to contract some of them are going to get combined together and then we'll realize we have more room to wiggle around and we'll have to add or subtract and so scope wise like before you do sequential stuff which is like how you know what happens before that it's like those stupid math problems where it's like you have to do this before you do this but then you have to do this before you do this and you can't do this you know those like story problems that you have for the LSAT which I annoyed me I like failed that. algebra three times in high school so this is why it's like the PEMDAS of storytelling like it's the there is a there is a thing that's going to help you when you put your scenes in order there's I can teach you this later but I actually have a coding system of this where you do it like alphabetically where it's like okay you can't do C before you do A you know you can't do this we'll do it last we'll do it last you can talk me into this with one with one thing my dream sequence in blinding light for Tristan is what uh, I was gonna say, is when does that take place? Oh, I don't remember. Don't ask That's me. Not- like, I, this is this is also this is also where it's tricky. This is why I have so many. This is why I have so many tools for this for myself because my brain doesn't naturally keep track of when things happen. It's like when I try to give directions to someone, I use landmarks. At no point is it like, all right, a mile down the road, you're gonna turn left because I have no cognizance of distance. And sometimes, you know, people neurodivergent people often suffer from time blindness. And so, one of the reasons why I'll binge watch a show to really fully understand is that if I go days or weeks between episodes, I'll forget when stuff happened. That's so true. this no, is another good I'm example of very but again, typical. I want you to, I really, I love you. I want you to put a pin in this. I want you to let it go for now because I, I think we can talk about this and I'm very, oh, I'm not worried however, I feel like where the flashback put, is put is the less important than how we're building. Remember who we talked about pacing? How are we building to make sure that every episode has enough meat and juices in it, so to speak, that it's a full, you know, because again, pacing, if you are not careful, you'll write a bunch of cool scenes that you want to happen and you'll realize that, yeah, you have a bunch of cool scenes in a row, but all the major like events and happenings and discoveries and like milestones, whether they're internal or external, are being left out to the end or they're being like front loaded or, you know, and that's why ordering it is last. But you know what I think we're still missing? I'm looking at this list. I now have eight things on the list. 
regardless, we have two uh, great mini arcs now that we've come up with, which is the kidnapping and the love potion episodes, which are going to really F F up our dynamics in the best way, right? Um, It's going to be chaotic. I also love the idea of having Nancy kidnapped because she's the problem solver. And once again, you know, taking her out of the equation forces everyone else to kind of step up. It puts pressure on a lot of things. I definitely think you're right that that needs to happen like later. Um, That being said, though, and this is why also like we need to do some comparing and contrasting with the other seasons because other shows that have an A and B, it's like how many, you know, how many episodes did they get for that switch? So I think knowing that will give us a better way to figure out where to put this. But what I definitely don't want to do is have one episode that we have set in stone and then we then have to plan everything else around it when it turns out that later it's like if we had just done this once we had all of our elements in place, then we know exactly how much room we have. So we have eight so far, two of which are like part one and part two type vibe. Although I'm writing love potion follow-up episode doesn't technically have to happen right after it. In fact, it could be, you know, it's basically True. who gets together, who ends up fighting. It's kind of like the 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 morning after type vibe is what I'm going for. You know, the walk of shame, if you will. Um, what else are we missing that we set up? The, the missing bodies, obviously, is really important. And I think that's why we do need the two part and the resolution. I'm going to do the resolution of the missing graves, which is actually a great episode title too. Um, wayward. We have to address the, 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 yes, the waywards, the freeing is the wayward. Spring of the Waywards. I love that. All of that, basically. Like, we have to address and resolve the carnival slash law after he sacrifices himself. Like, what the fuck post-law. Yeah. So that's a great example. Like, do are they automatically freed? What are they? Are we going to integrate them into the town now? I say yes, because I love that idea. Um, you know, love open up a bunch of weird shops in town and stuff, or like going back home or whatever they want to do. That's definitely, I think, would go would fit somewhere in the resolution part of the act structure, which is great. Um Spring of the Weirwoods, and how can we use that also for Drew Crew purposes? Like, are we also going to have one of the Drew Crew be like, okay, like, for example, they keep teasing, like, is Nick going to leave and go home? You know, mm-hmm. the, the, his parents have come here, but maybe this is where Bess decides she's going to go back and, like, may, make peace with her family. Maybe you right. can finally finish that pesky, <laughs> pesky Marvin storyline that makes you so mad. Uh, nothing like makes me home. mad. Bess keeps getting shafted, and nothing makes I'm gonna me put, mad. I'm going to put wrap up. Okay, so this is where I'm pairing you with your with your external internal, right? So the freeing of the waywards also is the best homeward bound arc, whatever that means for her, whether she's going to resolve the Marvin's thing, or maybe you're going to want her to go talk to her mom who we've never met before. And like, maybe she goes back to London for an episode or something or like London comes to her and the weird, you know, ex husband bullshit thing happens. And you could also have this be Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, how much money do we have for this show? Right? (laughs) But like, but that being said, like, so so this is a great example of how you can also use this as a uh, not a mirror but it's like you know if she's there for ace and ace's dream sequence this is when he can be there for her again so it's also like ace returns the favor is a great and this the best part about putting it in these very vague terms is that we can have it mean we can do it however we want um plus anchor the tanker agenda we've done a great job with the tanker agenda i think we've also got given us lots of opportunity the most important agenda to me like yes obviously i've had a heavy nice agenda but like yeah. The the Platanker agenda has been number one for me because it's just okay. it's my favorite relationship every time I watch it. Sorry, I know I'm going on a ramble. I just No, I feel like I no, I, I this is why I'm a huge fan of I said this I think in our first episode. Um I love how they handled this. He had a crush on her, realized she was gay. Um I found that gift for you, by the way, where he goes like, Oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, well, some queer well. shit's happening here. And then I support it. I'm here for you. Um, I love that. And I also think that that's why I will fight to the death for this ship. Because I think if they had tried to make Nancy and Ace happen with Ace having a crush on Nancy in episode one, the way that he had a crush on Bess. And then it was like, you know, the typical like, oh, mm-hmm. he was always kind of in the background and like friend zone. And then he wore her down eventually. And they felt I would have hated very it. Zandery. No matter how adorable Alex Saxon is, I would have fucking hated it mm-hmm. because I have always hated that. Well, just stick around long enough. Even the Spike Buffy is a great example of like, you know, he just kind of wore her down over time. And he initially was very creepy about it and creepy to her. And so I love the idea that we are seeing Ace, you know, with another person who he was romantically interested in. And we watched how maturely and how he was like the, the blueprint of how to behave, mm-hmm. you know, when you realize it's someone's true. not into you. And not only did he become her best friend and biggest supporter, but they have an intimacy that I think a lot of like compulsory heterosexual relationships in shows really don't, they don't ever talk about or show how you can actually have like that level of friend intimacy with people of different genders or people who could theoretically be romantically involved, but they're not because they respect it and they're friends. And so mm-hmm. I love that. And I also kind of think Nancy needs a platanker. That's another thing. Lacey could maybe be her platanker. Cause like, that's the thing. She doesn't really have female friendships. She has mom issues. She has, you know, always kind of been the leader of this crew by default since episode one, but they're still, you know, her and George have well, constantly like a maybe will they won't they friendship happening. And I would love to have Nancy family. have like a ride or die bestie, you know? I agree. Yeah, I think that'd be really, really smart for her and possibly part of the reason and why if Lacey joined Nancy's investigating, way. like I want Lacey <gasps> to move into Nancy Acres Hall with Nancy and have them solve crimes together as a crime fighting yeah, team. Like, what if respectfully, fuck the, the police. Yeah, fuck the police, fuck the FBI. Ace could be their producer of their podcast. Lacey and Nancy would be awesome on it. And then, you know, Lacey can help investigate and be, and then she can date Tamara. So you can get what you want to. Everyone wins. Everyone wins. And that's how we end up like, okay, so if we ever touch the 14B slash cannibal shit that we're, that we are gently discussing. That was my next question. How are you going to bring in the Icarus Hall hungers thing? Like, is it? See, that was part of my, that was one second. Did I have an idea here? I had an idea somewhere. I had an idea somewhere. If you don't, I just came up. Oh yeah, no, I have, I already have the idea. So, um, my idea is specifically, and this is why I was like the married couple at you because I think what we should do, I think, and I don't know if I'm, yeah, I'm just going to say, we're just going to spoil it. Who fucking cares? What if the dude from the married got married couple is like, he got his hands on an artifact. He gets possessed by said artifact and has to undergo these rituals that started at Icarus Hall um, because it's an Icarus Hall artifact. And he eventually ends up like he is, he's the one who is performing these ritual murders. He is becoming a shape he's shape-shifting in some way shape or form oh, okay. which is making him more primal um and then if he dies or we you know somehow resolve his situation and separate him from the wife then we have the bella-esque character from supernatural who is now on her own um and can come and go as she pleases and we take care of half of our issue because we don't know what the fuck this guy is doing so that was an idea i don't hate it but i do think that that is something that's like almost your that's like your lead into season five i feel like what what that would be is that the reveal like the very last episode cliffhanger part would be like the reveal that the person who's like killing people yeah is like yeah it would like show a glimpse and you wouldn't he wouldn't be killed or defeated in this season because that would be too much yeah yeah. And it's also too much work for the for the Drew crew to do. But I, I actually, I also, the thing you talked about, Icarus Hall kind of, um, and we talked about how it's like this, like really kind of toxic patriarchy space and Nancy has moved into it and Temperance was there. But like we very, you know, we really haven't delved 
into the history. The road back, um, if you'll recall, and I, you didn't watch Tom Swift, but I watched the first part of the season. Before, I will eventually. Uh, it's now canceled. all on HBO yeah. Max, so I can watch it, is, it and it I is. can get a little bit more yeah. info. Spoilers, it is. It did get canceled, which is unfortunate. Um, and I think that that's just due to a lot of reasons, knowing oh, now what's spoilers. happening with networks. It got canceled two you know. weeks after it well, fucking yeah. premiered. Like, Again, that, it's that now sucks. that we know corporate bullshit and fuckery we we know reasons behind that but at the time it seemed very sudden but now one thing about the road back like you know the the acres hall you know was a bunch of like weird white supremacist patriarchy dudes who hated women and like would get together and like do weird cult shit like freemason style um and then they talked about how like they basically got all cursed by the women in white and all murdered each other and then they uh two or two of them escaped and went off to found the road back and the road back is actually apparently the main villain for tom swift so now that you know that you know it's no longer our job to worry about the road back and nancy and the whole ace thing and ace's brother who i still want to bring back by the way which is on my list of things bring back grant um i think that that's something to be said for like if tom swift is going to take down bring the road back, back he was, potion episode oh my god so okay that's well grant could also be brought back like after ace's like walkabout spirit thing that he does where he goes through his his problem he could also reach out to grant and be like hey um and i then need you to come come to town yeah um and that's a great you know again, happens right beforehand yeah, and then cause and effect the revolution yeah this is what i've learned this is why i love the blue sky big picture thing we're doing right now because if you only give yourself open doors and possibilities and like give yourself big playgrounds to play in and you don't limit it or like put it into you know any parameters yet you give yourself all of these like it's like oh this is you know a plot it's like it's like an animal crossing or, or like stardew valley or any of those games where it's like i have a blank plot here and it has a theme and that's all i really need so far because now i can fill it with whatever i want and i can decorate however I want but for now I know that I have this little house here and so we've got we're almost up to 10 episodes so what I'm gonna say is I'm just gonna say Icarus Hall slash cannibal Icarus Hall hunger as you brought up together and the cannibal ghoul let's call him a ghoul because I think that you know the one thing I love about Nancy Drew is that they do the horror yeah (laughs) um and ghouls ghouls also eat flesh um dead flesh and so that can be I'm thinking about this the missing graves out where yeah he's like not a werewolf or something he has you don't have to but like so my idea my idea for like why the graves are empty is I was gonna say you know when the when the veil hellmouth whatever it's called opened and some stuff got out I was gonna say like a bunch of nasties got out and possessed those bodies but another thing that could have happened is it could have been all the Icarus Hall ghosts that they like vanquished coming mm-hmm. back out and then mm-hmm. all taking and then I could have made a I could have made a case for Chloe's mother and the reason like her body's missing and not everyone else's body is missing is that she was somehow like a descendant of like one of the families or something I didn't really think it through at all it was just like oh okay. here's how we could bring that back that they the seed that they planted earlier but I kind of like your idea better and I like the idea that the bodies that were missing were like either turned into like walking dead and then this guy whose curse is like, maybe he's not devouring humans. Maybe he's devouring paranormal and supernatural entities that have arisen. And he's actually kind of not, not all evil because it's like, yeah, he's what eating that's how he monsters. That, that's what I'm saying. So like, yeah, he's eating monsters. They're like, oh, he's a good guy because he's helping us by eating these monsters and chewing them up into little bits. But also then it turns out he's using that to grow stronger so that he can like take over the world or whatever, right? Like, and, and that's going to be season five, but we don't have to worry about it yet. Exactly. Do you have, Okay, so we've got 10 episodes in the list and you, you can probably see the list that I made and the color coding I'm doing. And do you have, so are there any other major events or happenings that you feel like are big enough to deserve their own episode? That's kind of the last before we, because a lot of these can expand or contract, as I said before, but I think 10 or 11, that's where we're at right now. 
sorry, doing a quick read no, of all of our yeah. options just to see what we've got. <laughs> and this is obviously all like really open to, you know, this is just the, the quick list. So I'll read it out well while you're reading it just so that everyone knows. So I've got, here's my list. Major events to center for episodes. Number one, flashback, origin, Hudson curse, and law as my love story. Two, Bess and Ace dealing with Ace's issues, dream sequence. Three, how the curse ends slash action heavy culmination of Ace Nancy curse issue and also law's evil plans, question mark. Uh, four, Nancy gets kidnapped with Chloe. That's close out of our loss, uh, our our loss and grieving moms uh, thing. That's part one. Number five, kidnapping part two, resolution of the missing graves. Number six, Nick's dad, opportunity for Nick and George to resolve. Number seven, love potion number nine style episode with all of the ships in all caps. Number eight, love potion followed episode, who gets together, who ends up fighting, how this impacts the curse and or the new Icarus Hall hunger plotline thingy. Again, big question marks there. I just kind of vacillated. Number nine, the freeing of the waywards, post-law, best homeward bound, Ace returns the favor. Number 10, Icarus Hall hunger and the cannibal ghoul what are we what else major things do we have to handle in this season that might need their own whole ass episode or could we maybe squeeze everything into what we have here i feel like we can squeeze everything i can't think of any other agenda points that like we haven't either hit on or that we won't hit on okay well this is good because we have we've given ourselves just enough to like this is like a solid you know lots happening not too much happening we've given ourselves solid things to explore we've given ourselves opportunities if not details yet on how we're going to resolve everything and so 10 is actually i think a good a good number to start with on this because it gives us a lot of wiggle room either way especially because we we're not really 100 sure how many episodes we've really done technically speaking because we're not writing a whole show for free here folks we're doing this as an example we don't on this ip this is all illustrative so to give you a wrap up really quickly of the stuff that we don't have time to do today but what what our next steps would be in this process number one and i took this from what i what i texted ray the other day so number one we would just sort we'd start by sorting all of our episodes quote unquote our chapters into three boxes either beginning middle or end that's all we have to do for now does this feel like something that needs to happen in the quote unquote beginning of the season does it feel like a middle of the season type thing or does it feel like one of the things the climactic or resolve beginning middle end that's it for now and we'll just kind of drag and drop everything and then we'll discuss it at every step we stop we discuss we give we pitch our ideas again we're not arguing we're discussing we're colluding we're collaborating this is how collaboration works you it's really important too and ray and i always talk about this Mm -hmm. like there are no bad ideas there are no right and wrong ideas and neither one of us is like the president of this thing and so even if one of us is like oh i don't know if i love that idea it's always a what if question it's always a "Mm, what if we did this or how can we do this in a way that that fits this or that a little better than you know the starting point or whatever like it's always a it's always a conversation so the other thing that i texted you that's a little more granular and maybe too much for today is like figuring out your average scenes and how you write and how many scenes you need per episode or how many average scenes you have in a chapter that's i have a lot of resources for that in this case because we're working with an existing ip the way that i would do this is i would literally go look up a bunch of nancy drew episodes and i would just look at their scripts and I would count the amount of scenes in each script. Or if you want to watch a show and you just pause it, like bring out a notebook and just every time they change a set setting or it's a new scene, just write it down. Like scene 10, here's what happens in this. That's a great resource for how to figure out the average amount of scenes. And then we just know, okay, we've got between, let's say 10 and 15 scenes per episode that we're allowed to do. And that way, when we go 
to write, you know, our new bullet points for every episode of here's all the shit we're going to cram into this episode, we know about how long it can be. The next step was, you know, like in TV shows, as you mentioned before, Ray, like putting it sequential is going to be our last step, putting it into a sequence of beginning, middle, end. And then within those boxes, which episode happens before this, this is when you start to get, I can't remember what it's called, but it's dependent relationships, basically, where it's like, okay, you have to do this before you do this. And you, we start linking them together. Um, in TV shows, episodes, a lot of people don't know this, but they can get moved around either like mid writing or even after they're written. Sometimes you'll write an episode and it'll be like, oh, like Ray said, it's like, if it, if it looks more like what they're picturing, then maybe it is better at the end. If it looks more like what I was picturing, maybe it's more of a teaser that we don't get the whole story. We just get why he hates temperance so much, that part of it, you know? And then later we find yeah. out about the love story, more of it with other, you know, we obviously can't have more than one whole episode flashback because then it gets kind of ridiculous in a season. But true, overall, the nice thing I like is that we do have wiggle room within our beginning, middle and end structure. And we also have a tentative order of chapters and episodes, but we can also, if it's not working, it's always important to give yourself that wiggle room. So do you have anything else you would want to add to that of like things that you want to put into the process to help you figure out how to kind of ideate and like, as I say, iterate, you know, which is like, do it again, change it, try it again, new angle. I don't think I really have that much to add. I would say my biggest recommendation is probably what my biggest recommendation always is, which is if you have not found somebody who you can have this sort of collaboration with, do yourself the favor of reaching out to community or trying to find a community because literally I am my entire life the best way for me to figure out my problems when it comes to writing and especially scope or pacing etc is just having somebody else there to bounce ideas off of even if they're like not that creative of a person or they're creative in a different way than you I'm not talking about you um, but like if they're creative in a different way than you or they're just like I was like you know, excuse me <laughs> no I was thinking about other like past friendships excuse you anyway, no, I get what you're like, saying. or if it's yeah, like, like someone's not very visual and they're like I can't see it you're like okay you know right that's fine. exactly every once in a while sometimes you just need to talk it out with somebody and whether or not they're somebody that you you know can go to for this sort of advice that I get from V or they're just there to listen to you like while you are working through your story 10 times out of 10 when I bring my issues to people or like to my community whatever even if they don't give me a solution just talking it out with like towards them can almost always open up a new idea or a new opportunity. And so my biggest thing here is just making sure that you're giving yourself the opportunity to collaborate because being able to see something from somebody else's point of view, even for a few seconds, even as you're just thinking, okay, what is the best way that I can explain this to this person specifically? It can completely change the way that you are looking at your story and looking at your episodes everything. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think that's just one of those things. I, I will never not harp on about it because I've always been a very community driven person when it comes to my creations. Uh, because said it once, say it again, I grew up teaching myself how to write on role-playing forums. Yeah. Like well, I you can't create in a vacuum. That's what's, I think that's the most, you can, but you shouldn't. And also it's not as good. Yeah. I feel not healthy for you either. So, you know, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Stories. That's the whole point of storytelling. It's the original community creator. And exactly. 
it lo- it's the great leveler. I love that. I love, I love us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love, love us friends. too. I love so, our okay. podcast. I have, as I said, I have a long, I have a long list of uh, references. I'm just going to go yes. through them really quickly. I'm not going to explain them today. We'll talk about them in more, in more detail later, but they'll be in the episode notes. So the main homework, I've got six so far. I might've missed one or two, but I'll go back. So the nutshell technique by Jill Chamberlain is one of my favorites for if you're writing a, if you're writing either a book or a screenplay and it's like about one character's growth it's all based in the aristotelian storytelling and so it's really like centered on the character arc in particular really big fan of that one um we also referenced the nancy drew series wikipedia page and the nancy drew series fandom.com wiki which we'll put links in if you want to get crazy with us and go in um ray mentioned the david lynch masterclass which is the masterclass service um i also put in uh, an article from masterclass about how to master narrative pacing just in case you want to get weird with us on that one um also a really big fan if you're making a plot from scratch and you don't have something like we have a lot of things we can look at you know for examples um but if you're making one from scratch rock your plot by kathy arley is a great resource she does a whole series on rock your plots rock your visions but rock your plot is really good for specifically scenes and chapters and she uses chapters as like basically containers to put your scenes in just like episodes are containers to put your scenes in so those are the references for this week perfect and somehow v got me you get to do no, it's your this turn is wrong. this is wrong you you're are... gonna do it and you're gonna like it i will not i will not like it at all you've I gotta protect it, yourself you've gotta legally not... protect yourself yeah you do that for me every time it's fine oh i hate that okay you're gonna i'm do it. restating the d's Ugh. Under Title 17, Section 107 of the United States Code governing copyright, fair use allowance is made for purposes such as criticism, comment, teaching, scholarship, education, and research. In cases where we feature AU fanfic written by us or with permission from other authors, these will be for nonprofit educational and informational purposes only. That's the overall D for AU City, but we'll include more detailed disclaimers as needed since the intention here is to critique and learn from IP together, not to appropriate from it. Is it weird that I found that kind of hot? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're welcome. You're welcome. What, yet another thing to unpack in therapy. <laughs> yeah, you've got to figure that shit out. Like, do you have All something right. to like the methothelioma commercial guy? Because that's what that sounded like. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> keep, keep rolling. Keep, oh, rolling. keep going. Okay, so I'm here for the wrap up. Once again... Thank you all for joining us while we have been here. This has been AU City, a neurodivergent storytelling podcast where we make chaos from order and FA to FO. And we are your co-hosts, Ray and V. Please do follow and rate us on your favorite podcast service, including but not limited to Apple, Google, Spotify, and Acast, which is where we are currently hosted. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, (laughs) or Tumblr at AU City Podcast on TikTok at Alternate University. For special requests or just to tell us how mad you are about a ship twist, you can also email us directly at aucitypod at gmail.com. And coming soon, we'll shortly have, hopefully, an AU City mm-hmm. sued on AO3 for fans to pursue, peruse all of our content <laughs> in readable format. And hopefully, and we really, really sincerely do hope this, to add to our cache of AU Nancy Drew season four headcanons. So mm-hmm. ship those ships, shippers. Alrighty. And here's the official closeout per usual, gentle listeners. Always remember, stay weird and never stop fucking around and finding out with your art. We will see you 
next episode. Yeah. <laughs>